All right, let's grab our Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Grab your Bible or turn yours on on your smartphone. I know a lot of you guys are already blown away because you're like, Lee Flora tweets? Awesome. Learn something new. So, Lee, thank you for that uh, that worship testimony, brother. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 there in verse number 19. We're going to try to work our way from verse number 19 all the way through verse number 24. As you're finding your place there and as the kids are finding their place to a kid's church, I just want to say, man, what what an awesome gift the Lord continues to give us at Rocky Mount Baptist Church which is people who are willing to say, I am a sinner and I cannot save myself and I submit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, would you please save me? And they're not ashamed of it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, and something something else too, what, what we've seen, not not just in terms of people being baptized, but just in terms of, I think, uh, our overall, the health of our body here is, uh, ladies, if I can speak to the men for just a few moments, we have seen men stepping up. A lot of churches, they say you can't get men to do anything. It's the ladies. Everything from having close to a dozen guys carry two pianos down a death flight of stairs, risking life and limb, to being willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to teach, willing to say, I'll be baptized, because I know that's the right thing to do. Willing to start reading reading the Bibles with their families. And ladies, we are not discounting your input in your family or to this church in any way. And if the truth be known, there are some of us that if it was not for moms on Sunday mornings coming and basically saying, get up, get dressed, or I will kill you. And then she gets a call, right, from somebody from the church. I will, hello, pastor. Yes. You know, like that mom, right? Like that mom. She loved Jesus and, and there wasn't, and some of you were raised in homes to where, to where dad either was not there or he was there, but he wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Like he, like he's there physically, but spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, he's a million miles away. It's like he could care less. Just, Turn on ESPN and that's like he, he loves that. He, he's zoned into the paper or the internet or TV, whatever it may be. And so you maybe, maybe it was just like your mom through the grace of God held your family together and brought you to church where you could hear the gospel. But boy, you know what the statistics tell us is that when the man gets right, and he says, you know what, I may not know exactly what it means to be a man of God. I may not know all the nuts and bolts of how to be what God wants me to be. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to commit my life to place myself under biblical leadership to serve together with other men. And even when it may seem me going to like a Bible study class and somebody asking me questions, our teachers, they teach awesome job in Sunday school this morning. It was awesome. Fred, I still don't know why so many of our members don't come to Sunday school. Y'all all right? We pray you have, if you remember, you have a miserable time from 9.45 to about 10.45 each Sunday morning as you sit at home and leave your brothers and sisters hanging. We love you. Y'all all right? We love you. But it's amazing to see what, what happens when the guy says, I'm willing to follow Jesus. Because if you talk to a lot of ladies, they are praying and waiting for their husband to simply step up and leave. 
whether that's to say, let's pray for dinner. Before we just, I mean, dive in like a bunch of savages, let's just take a moment and pray and say, Jesus, thank you for this meal. A lot of people don't have one. Thank you. And the kids are like, whoa, dude, dad, just pray. What's, what's going on? We're cool. Our, Close your eyes, right? Like we've never done this before. And it's, and it's new. And they see that and it makes an impact. And you dad's praying with your kids. And, and even more so, like opening up the Bible. And you don't have to read 50 chapters of Leviticus because there's not even that many in Leviticus. But you just, you're reading the Bible to them. They're hearing the word of God. And it's becoming implanted in their hearts. And your wife, I mean, and most ladies, there are a few exceptions but most women are like, that's so good. Even if they don't believe in the Lord, they like, my husband's starting to honor me. He's, he's not yelling at me. He's following Ephesians chapter 5, which, guys, it says to love your wives as Christ loved the church, which is to lay down your life. So, guys, I'm so proud of so many of you. You bless my heart. Hey, and let's change, let's change the trend. The trend in our culture is to where men simply bug out when it comes to spiritual leadership. They don't pray with their families. Many times they do everything but discourage their families from coming to church. When I was a student minister, I had dads say stuff like, I mean, I had students in high school. They want to come to church and hear the word of God. And dads are saying stuff like, no, 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 why don't, why don't you come with me and let's go to the flea market instead? I'm like, dude, if you just let him, your kid come to church, he may hear something like, honor your father and your mother, Right? And it may benefit you whether you believe it's a bunch of bull or not. So ladies, let's continue to pray for the guys. Pray for me. And when your man, when your son, when your dad makes one positive step towards the Lord Jesus Christ, you throw a party even if it makes him feel awkward. Because many times men, we don't like to be publicly praised. But then your wife's saying, oh, he's, my husband's awesome in softball. He can crank him over the fence. He can do this. He can build anything. And the husband's like, stop, stop, honey, you're embarrassing me. But he's really saying, don't stop. <laughs> Ladies, that was free. <laughs> Guys, I got you back. You can pay me later. All right? That's the way it works. So anyway, let's reach people. All right? It's not about this. It's not about the dress, it's about reaching people for Jesus Christ. I love you guys, and we don't have much time left, and we have an unbelievable amount of work to do. So let's strap on our combat boots and go to Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin to read there in verse number 19. The Bible says, and these are the words of Jesus, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy or corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. Literally, this means for thieves digging through and stealing. They would dig through kind of like the adobe type of material that they, that they use in that day. But Jesus says, here's the second command, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, here's what we're going to pick up for today. This is kind of confusing, but but go with it. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's the takeaway. You cannot serve both God and money. Last week we looked at a statement by by Ted Trailer, and here's the statement. 
He says, I have not met many people possessed by demons, but I have met a lot of people possessed by their possessions. Possessed by their possessions. What Jesus is talking about here when he begins this second thought there in verse number 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. Jesus is saying that that he's giving a picture saying that that's our view on life. And if our view on life becomes corrupted or clouded by stuff, right? Like if you were here last week, we talked about hoarders, which we saw from Scripture. Jesus is saying, don't hoard stuff because security doesn't come from stuff. Jesus is saying here that if the thought of, of money and security that comes from money begins to kind of take over the way that we see everything, it's almost like a film comes over our eyes and we see everything through the lenses of dollar green. Jesus says if that's the case, then your outlook on life begins to grow very, very, very dark. And last week, man, we... We looked at some stuff that honestly for some of us is quite scary about what the Bible says about biblical giving. And let me just say again, uh, if this is your first time at Rocky Mount Baptist Church, you had a friend invite you. They're probably very uh, uncomfortable right now because they know where this sermon is going. Yes, you're like, I'm here at Rocky Mount Baptist Church and we're going to talk about money. I've thought about this before. And, and listen, we can just say there are some TV preachers and they're asking you to send in your whole monthly check so they can buy another jet. Right? That's shameful. But it's interesting It's sometimes when we talk about our faith and our finances together and we look at what Jesus has to say about that, it's interesting how easy we run through extremes, isn't it? I think about it like this. If we're reading the Word of God or if we hear a sermon that has to do about You know, if we follow Jesus, if we believe that he is the son of God, how does that affect what we do with our money? It's interesting how easily we run to all the church wants is my money, right? And here's here's the reason why I think some of us may do that. Sometimes you can preach on the end times. People are like, man, that's that's interesting that I'm not going to get worked up about it. You you can speak about missions. Some people are like, you know what? I can't go, but I'm going to send somebody. Some people say, well, I'm willing to go. You can talk about all of these issues, but once you start talking about money, do you know the reason why a lot of us have a knee-jerk reaction? It's because somebody is tampering with the God that we really serve. Y'all all right? If somebody's talking about a football team you don't care about, I mean, like the Illinois Wood Ducks or something like that, I mean, so you're just like, what, is that even a team? But I mean, if you're a die, if you're a die hard, I mean, Virginia Tech fan, Cavaliers fan, Cowboys, Redskins, a Seahawks fan, and somebody starts to kind of like needle into that, to invade into that, you're like, oh no. I mean, it's almost like sometimes people say, I'm chill, but don't mess with my kids. You think some ladies are sweet? See what happens if they think somebody's messing with their kids. Because we care about those things. The reason why so often we, we react and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Just like bullet points, man, on a presentation. We've got all of these excuses about how what Jesus says applies to all of his followers doesn't apply to me because I'm in this situation. So what I'm just wanting to do this morning is to try to be honest, right? We try to do that. We preach the word of God, be honest. And that honestly, the reason why so many of us kick against 
biblical teachings on finance at all is because we really, really, what's Jesus say? Verse 24, you can't serve two masters. And a lot of us really have a love affair with money or the stuff that it brings. And the way that we see if we value, and if you're, if you're not a Christian, this is your first time in church in a long time, let me, let me talk to the people who claim to follow Jesus. If there's no impact on what Jesus teaches about finances, on your finances, then you go ahead and fill in the blank spaces. Y'all alright? It got quiet. Thanks, Mike. And let's go back to verse number 19. Jesus says here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is a command. How many of us love being commanded? Anybody? It's like, I love being commanded. Jesus gives commands. Jesus does not offer up suggestions. I mean, Jesus didn't come to the party and just like, what do you guys want to do? What do you want me to teach? I mean, Jesus didn't come and hand out a bunch of flyers and say, fill this out and tell me what you really want me to teach. Jesus came and was like dropping the boom. So he says, don't lay up treasures for yourselves on earth, but lay them up in heaven. Now, here's the coolest part. What Jesus is saying here is that you can build up treasures and even better, you can use the earthly treasures that God has given you and deposit them in heaven by investing them in the things that actually go to heaven which is in the end people right i mean regardless if you're giving to a mission trip if you give to the ministry of this church if you know somebody that doesn't know jesus and they need something and you meet that need and they're like dude why would you give money to me I mean, you can lay the Smackdown sermon on them because Jesus gave us all for me, right? You can do that. You can invite them to church. You can share the gospel there. It's so amazing that when you begin to refocus that, that, that aircraft carrier of your life, which honestly, sometimes it takes a little while to turn around. With Jesus, the heart change is instantaneous. But for some of us, there needs to be habits that change. There needs to be thought patterns that change. And what Jesus is getting to here is the thought pattern of our life. Jesus is getting to the core of who we are. One of the amazing things that when we begin to have a biblical focus, what Jesus says really matters, we can support what Jesus says is important. I've got a few of them listed there in your outline. Missions work among young, among unreached people groups. You can give to the India trip. We're going to have to make a call here in about a week and a half about who's going to be able to go. We have people in this church that strongly believe that they are being called by the Lord to go. But guess what? India is not cheap. Any type of mission work is not cheap. You have a chance to be able to give so that we can go connect with those missionaries and reach unreached people groups for Christ. Not only that, you can give to local ministry in your community. You can give to things such as uh, Matthew chapter 25. Remember Jesus said? He says, inasmuch as you've done it unto, unto the big shots that can hook you up with good jobs. Is that what he said? Hear that? Like Jesus is like, all right, what you need to do to be a ball and shot caller in terms of finances is you need to go and you, I mean, whether it's a club, whether it's a club slash church, you know what I'm saying? Like club slash church, where you go there to get connections. Like, Jesus didn't say any of that. He says, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. In other words, here's the thing. People who can't give you jack squat, you, you, you pay for something for them. They got nothing to give back. Even if they get out of that, that circumstance, they don't have the social swing to do you any benefit. What's that a mirror of? That's a mirror of what Jesus has done for us. We, he doesn't need us. 
God didn't get bored being like, man, I'm, I'm tired of chilling, you know, here in the Trinity. I need some friends. People say, that's not true. Like, God doesn't need us. God's not like, if you don't be my friend. No, no. God created us because he is love and he is, he is creative. He's love and life and good things come from him. So all of that to say that when we begin to have a biblical focus, we begin to value the things that Jesus values. And I know all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we've got shopping trips. We've got vacations. We've got uh, hobbies and activities that are flashing across our minds, don't we? Saying, I wonder if it's good to spend on this. Listen, God wires different people different ways. There are some people in here, and you could have, I mean, you could have a paper clip, and you could build a tank. There are some people, <laughs> you could have a full craftsman set, and in five minutes, the house is leveled. Like, you just, you, that's just not your gifting. Some people, you know how to develop business plans and things that just work. Some are like, well, just, just give me a, give me a sledgehammer and show me what to destroy, right? I mean, there's, there's different, there's different gifts. And throughout the Bible, we see that God gives people different gifts and all are to be used to Jesus's glory. So here's the thing. You may be Gifted in a certain area. You may enjoy doing a certain type of activity and missions or hobbies. Listen, here's the cool thing. Whatever you enjoy doing that is honorable, that is good, do it with a missional focus. For example, if you're a workout freak, like, I mean, if you're a person where you just, man, you are all about the workout, what a great opportunity to use that and share the gospel with people at the gym. If you're the type of person that enjoys, I mean, art, you get together with the art people, you point them to Jesus through the arts. If you're the, I mean, you're the type of party animal, to you're like, bro, it is 1 a.m., I've got kids, but let's keep playing catchphrase, right, with my friends over at my house. You do that. You use your social butterflyness for the gospel. So Jesus is not saying here that what I want you to do is my will for you is poverty. What he's saying is use what you have to invest in people so that in the end the people go to heaven and your treasures are invested there in heaven. In verse 21, this is so straight up. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Main idea of last week was money is a heart issue. If we see what we value, we look at how we spend our money. And then going to verse number 22, this is where the bulk of today will be. Jesus says that the eye of the lamp is the body. Basically, he's saying here, your spiritual understanding. Have you, have you ever been around a person and it didn't matter what you were doing, all that mattered was the money? You ever been around somebody like that? I mean, it, that's, that's literally all that mattered. When you put everything on the value scale, all that was there for them it was dollar signs. It didn't matter who got hurt. It didn't matter friendships that were severed. It was all about the money. Now, for believers in Jesus Christ, it's a good thing to be financially controlled. We still okay, church? We hitting home, we hitting home. To be financially controlled means that we work hard and what we have, our paycheck, we don't go into exorbitant debt and go into debt for things that we don't necessarily need. A lot of Christians, you know what we do? Because we like a certain hobby or we like a certain vehicle and our, our, our pay says no. We look at our paycheck, our, pay, our paycheck says don't do it. 
Husband or wife may even say, don't do it. But we're like, it would be so sweet to have that ride. I mean, I know I would simply be paying all the money that I make at work to get to work and back. But it's going to be awesome. The smell of a new car. And what we do is we make unwise financial decisions. And then when it comes to when Jesus says invest in things that really matter, guess what we have? We have no money and a lot of bills. Being financially controlled and being gospel-centered is the will of God for our life. So that we will be able to help those who are in need. And when Jesus says, once again, the eye of the lamp is the body, he's talking about the outlook on our life. And if we don't allow the words of Jesus to so penetrate our heart, it'll be kind of like this. We'll either think that life is all about an arms race. It'll all be about vanity race. A fame race, like we've got to keep up with the Joneses. And we mentioned this a couple of years ago. That doesn't make any sense if the Joneses are going to hell. What we need to do is use what God has given us so that we can reach the Joneses and let them know that there is more to life than money. And if we could really peel back the layers of our families and our cultures, we know that there have been families who have been shattered by the love of money. You tell me what happens in most cases when somebody in the family dies who has money. All of a sudden, you've got cousins like seventh cousins you've never heard about, and they're showing up at the funeral wanting a cut of the cake. Jesus says that no one can serve two masters. It's kind of, it's kind of like Jesus is, is helping us to develop a, a desire for what is better. Think about if you're trying to train a dog. For a dog, everything that smells is interesting. Imagine if you were in the mind of a dog. Your, your owner's trying to walk you to teach you to heal so that you don't trip him or her or run out in front of cars. And you, you try to keep the dog here. Or if you're training a dog to hunt, you teach the dog to go get the bumper, which will be the bird or the duck. But the dog is like, you don't understand, master. It smells so cool right here. And you're like, heel. And he's like, squirrel. And you try to keep the dog and you, you, you go further and you try to, to pitch out some treats for the dog. And the dog's just going along, bird. It is for the dog's benefit that the dog is trained, please hear me, to value what the master values. The dog thinks the smell is great, but the master says there's something better. Jesus is not saying, I have created you to be miserable. I have created you never to go on a vacation. And by the way, if you go on vacation, what an awesome time to share the gospel. Amen, church? I mean, especially if you're on a flight or if you're on a cruise or if you're at a, a vacation spot because people come to those places and go everywhere. You could be, you could leave, let people leave with the gospel. And if they're on the ship or on the plane and they don't like what you have to say, you always say, well, there's the door, right? That's what you, I mean, you, it's an amazing opportunity bringing people together like that. Wow. Jesus is simply saying, value what is better. And when I get in control of your heart, money is always a heart issue, but you will value the things that I value. It's not that Jesus is coming and he's got this giant gavel called the tithe guilt trip. And he begins to smash us and beat us and bludgeon us with that. And then that is biblical, by the way. 
people are laughing. No, it is. Seriously. And then on top of that, like if we were Old Testament believers, we would end up with all the tithes and offerings be giving like 20% plus. We may need some oxygen for a couple people that just fainted out here. Like 20% plus, that was normal. So when we say that a tithe is assumed, some people, yeah, you can make the argument the tithe is commanded. It's always, it's, it's, it's assumed in the New Testament to the point that, I mean, man, it's a heart issue. You're like, does Pastor Jeff go rifle through all of the giving receipts? I don't want to go on suicide watch. I want to keep my sanity. I'm serious. There have been pastors who have told me they say, Jeff, do not do it. Just ask, just ask, say, give me advice in the ministry. They say, never look at who gives what. I'm like, I'm cool with that. I don't need that knowledge. It is between you and Jesus. It's not like I'm going back there looking through all that mess. But it is a heart issue. Do not allow Satan, do not allow someone else to say that the giving thing, the money thing, it's all about the churches wanting my money. It's all about buildings and all things like that. I mean, we got a building. Pack it out and go to two services and then go to three, whatever the Lord brings. We can use this building. It's about a heart issue. You say, Jeff, what do you want? Like we know word of God, but I know there's always a connection with the communicator and so forth. What I truly want us to do as a church is to come to the Bible, especially in the term of of finances, and say, Lord, what do you teach? And once we understand that, and we're like, oh, my word, that's scary. We say, God, please help me get to where I need to be to be biblical with my finances. Because we know why Jesus talks about money more than hell and heaven, right? I mean, he pounds on money time and time again. You know the reason why? Is because money is the result of us spending our time. Some of you, honestly, just be, some of you wear glasses because of your work. And we talk, we kick on people who have desk jobs. Sometimes those are the people that have the highest stress in terms of like going in to have a heart attack and so forth. There are some of you, and you've had to have knee replacements because of your job. Some of you have had surgeries on your back and neck, and you're like falling apart. You feel like your employer has kind of like stuck a syringe and pulled out all the marrow in your bones. Like you come home, and you're totally done. Your money represents what you have given your time and your life and your energy and your blood, sweat and tears into. So what you do with that one dollar represents in a sense how you are allocating and organizing and sacrificing your very life. Because that's what you're giving in a sense to get it. And then there's always the excuse. You say, Jeff, I, I, I get, you know, Jesus and he's a son of God and all that. But man, I'm, I'm in financial trouble. The first way that you get, you start to claw out of that is you begin to believe and practice what Jesus teaches. Let's just be very straight up and honest. Why would Jesus bless and help you get out of a hole that you've put yourself into if at the very start it's disobedience to what he's already said? Let me make it a little bit more plain. If you're in financial problems and you're trying to get out of that and Jesus says, what I want you to do is start giving biblically. 
and you say, no, Jesus, I need to get out of debt, and then I'll start giving biblically. That's obedience right out of the gate. It's a heart issue. And why would God bless disobedience? He never has, and he never will. But I'll tell you what, we don't have time today because we're probably already out of time. There are st- there's story upon story upon story of people who said, we didn't know how we were going to be able to make ends meet, but we began to give, and God provided Notice what Jesus says here. He says in verse number 24, this is the, the, the most straightforward way that anyone could say this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one. Notice, love, and what's the other word? Hate. You will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Thomas Akempis said this, Nothing so defiles and entangles the heart of man as the impure love of things created. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And you know the the awesome part about back in verse 22 and 23 when Jesus is talking having a single eye or an eye that is focused upon him is that the benefits begin. In other words, you're focusing on things that are not going to be destroyed, laying up treasures in heaven. And the fact of the matter is for me and for you, our wills are not strong enough to serve two masters. Imagine if we were standing on a crevice, maybe it was a fault line, and all of a sudden the fault line began to go and it began to widen. And you begin to realize that you can now do the splits. And you're trying to figure out which way, which direction, which direction. There's going to have to be a choice. And Jesus says what can happen here is when we allow money to consume our thoughts, we don't see the world for what it actually is. Dr. John MacArthur said the reason for our economic problems And all inflation has its roots in greed. Financial problems of our country is because a lot of us, we want to have things we can't pay for. Personal level and also a national level. But when Jesus is getting to the heart of money, he's literally saying, which do you think is better? Throughout God's word, God is described as our father, the one who loves us. Let me give you a guarantee from God's word. If you're God's child, he will take care of you. And if you've been saved, if you are God's child, he's taking care of your biggest problem, which is sin and death. It really doesn't matter a whole lot if you save up a bunch of money and you don't know Jesus and you spend eternity separated from him in a place called hell. But what an amazing thing it would be for those of us who've been saved to say, Lord, would you use what you've given me for you? Our houses, to have people over, to share food, to have dinner with people so that we can have relationships and we connect with the gospel. And it all comes down to this. Here's our application as we come uh, to, to time of conclusion. You say, Jeff, how do I make these good investments? How do we actually put this into practice? Number one would be concede. Admit that everything that we have is on loan from God. We don't own any of it. Y'all all right? We don't. We have it for a time to use for his glory. And secondly, commit to biblical giving. Not out of a sense of guilt or fear, but out of a sense of love for Jesus Christ. Remember that statement we closed with last week from Vance Havner, the old school preacher? He said, sometimes God using us is like when we go to the medicine cabinet and we open it up and there's some bottles that say shake before using. He says, some of us Christians have to be shaken up before we're usable. 
And I'll tell you what, one of the things that can shake us up is finances. But God is big enough and he is better. Jesus is qualitatively, quantitatively better than living in a lifestyle that says I get security from what I have or what I hope to have. It means that you have an almighty father who deeply cares for you, who sent his son to pay for your sin debt. And if that's true, man, come next week. Notice you begins there in verse number 25. Jesus says, therefore, because of this teaching on finances, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. What may need to happen in some of your families is you say, Jeff, we need to change the focus to where between my children and myself, my wife and my husband, it's all about the bottom line. We just simply need to say, we're going to ask Jesus and do our finances with a biblical vision as opposed to simply a bottom line vision and just see what God will do. And I guarantee you the word of God says that he will bless you and he'll take care of you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we come to this time of commitment and invitation. It may be that you say, Jeff, I, uh, the money thing is a side issue for me because I just, I know, I know that if I died right now, I have absolutely no, I, no idea where I would go. In fact, the only real clue that I have is that I probably would not go to heaven. I, I need God. I don't even know what that fully means, but I need God in my life. The Bible says to trust Jesus. To turn from your sin and repent. Turn away from it and trust in Christ. And be saved. Why don't you do that right now? Just give your life to Christ. Transfer authority from yourself to Him. Give Him control. And say, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. And for a lot of us, money is a big issue. We don't know maybe how we can pay for what we have. Maybe we've dug a little bit too deep in that debt hole. We're not sure about how to get out. We have, we have resources here that are able to help you with that. But none of those things, whether it's a Dave Ramsey course, whether it's Larry Burkett, none of those things will matter if there's not a heart change. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, where do you find your obedience is? when it comes to the most difficult thing, probably, which is finances. Why don't you just trust him? Say, Lord, I have not trusted you to this point. I've tried to take things on myself that I can't bear. I'm just placing my finances in your hands. And what that means is that I'm willing to follow what the scripture teaches. And God, it's on you then. If I follow your word, it's on you. There may be some of you that when we begin to sing, you need to pray for someone. Why don't you come and just kneel the knee of humility here while we begin to sing. We have this area open here at the front, these steps. And some of you that say, Jeff, I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ. I, I need, I need to, to let people know that I'm giving my life to, to the Lord. We're going to ask you to, to get up out of your seat and come forward when we begin to sing for this invitation. And in doing that, I'll be right down here at the center. You're saying, I'm ready to follow Christ. There are others of you, and you know that this is the church that you would have that God would have you to join up with. Some of you need to be baptized. Whatever your commitment is, we ask you to come. God is calling you. If you need prayer, come. We'll pray for you.